Welcome to Impact Life Church, you chatty bunch. We're so glad you chose to be here with us this morning. And just before Pastor Joel brings us a word this morning, we're in our new series, Backwards. It's been super fun. Just want to remind you guys of a couple of things we announced a few weeks ago. Last night was our last Saturday night service. It was a two-year season. And last night, we just felt um, the word fulfillment. We fulfilled the season as Impact Life Church. So I just want to let you know that that's what we did yesterday. And thank all you guys who were a part of it. Because we believe that Saturday night reached people exactly where they were at and showed us a different way that God can show up in church. So we believe that that might be back sometime down the road in the future. But for now, as you just look to the left and right, you see our family is growing on a Sunday morning, is it not? And we, the Lord told us to get ready for our growing family. So as you know, we're making plans for that when we go to two services, different stuff like that, expanding our teams. As you heard on the same day, Mr. Julian Price, if you could just stand up where you're at. You want to stand on your chair? Yeah. Give a wave. <laughs> oh, Julian. That's, that's low, man. That's low. No, just because you all wanted to see him. He has the best shoes. What are you guys <laughs> thinking? He's got amazing shoes. You can check him out later. Julian is coming on staff with us starting this very week. He's going to be taking over a bit of discipleship, a bit of the connections, a pastoral side. We're super pumped for that. Uh, But in the natural, you know, when you look around and uh, there's not a lot of seats left, just want to remind you, can you not have a seat for your coat or your Bible? Because that would... I know that sounds funny, but it would really help us out as a family, make room for our, our growing family. If you've got a coat, just really, don't be embarrassed, but just kick it under the seat so no one sees. But we're glad that you chose to be here. We're glad that people are coming. We're glad that we're growing. Absolutely. And growing like men. Yeah. Girl. That's it. Are you still pregnant? <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> Her due date is on Friday, and I just got to say, this woman is so, so gracious. Like, man, carrying around a watermelon inside your stomach and just coming up here looking cute, giving an announcement. I'm like, girl, you do that so well, and I'm just, I'm blessed to be your husband. Yeah. Is it vice versa? Is it? Yeah, okay. Just making sure that it's not just a one-way street. So you're welcome on my end, too. Okay, cool. No, it's, it's awesome. We do this together. And again, just so glad that everyone came this morning. How many ready for ready for the Word of God? Man, how many of you love the Word of God? How many of you hold up your Bible for a moment, make the devil real nervous and say, oh, this is my Bible. This is God speaking to me. All right, some of you got some phones in the air. Okay, that works too. Put your phones up in the air, your iPads, whatever you got, right? Uh, my wife bought me a brand new Bible. And so if you're wondering, I said this last night, if you're wondering what that exotic smell is, it's buffalo skin. It, this is made out of buffalo hide. And I tell you this, <laughs> It just smells delicious. That's all I got to say about that. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. Thank you, sweetheart. This girl is good to me. So anyways, well, let's get into this. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to just take a few minutes. Uh, I'm not going to go crazy long this morning on you. Uh, but I want to just share some things that have been stirring in my heart. And again, we're so glad that you came. Uh, and we're, we're in this family together. And so in John chapter 17, let's just pick up here for a moment. And I want to just read. And just we're, this is your first time here. We're just, we've been in a series called Backwards. And uh, what we've been going is just looking how everything in the kingdom of God and everything you see in the kingdom of the world, they are completely opposite of one another. How the world operates, the kingdom of God is completely backwards in the good sense, meaning Jesus puts everything right again. He makes, makes everything make sense again. And I'm so grateful that Jesus came to reveal a kingdom to you and I, and not just a kingdom, but also the way it operates, the system of the kingdom. And Jesus didn't just talk about like a theology of a kingdom or somewhere out there there's another kingdom that operates differently. No, the kingdom of God has come near you and I. In fact, it's in us. So it's vital that you and I understand how the kingdom of God operates as we live on this earth. Frustration comes in Christianity is when we are still operating in the world system when you and I have been called out of that system and now called to be in the kingdom of God's dear son. That's where the frustration lies is between the there's a difference. All this is who I am and the way that God has recreated me to live. And yet I'm still operating in this very limited system. Right? Are we good over there? Are we good? You heard me? Are we all plugging yours at that moment? No, we're we're good? So what we're talking about, Jesus right here in John chapter 17, 14 through 18. I want to just read these quickly to you. But Jesus, in midway through his prayer, he says, I have given them your message. And that is why the unbelieving world hates them. Why does the world hate you? All right, seven people answered. Why does the world hate you? 
Because of the message. Everybody say it, because of the message. So believers, there's something about you and I that ought to be different. We are message carriers. You and I carry a gospel. We carry a word given by God himself on the inside of us. We have a standard that we live by. We have a truth that we live by, and the world doesn't like it. Right? That's why they hate you and I. So again, if you look like the world, they love you. If you don't look like the world, to some degree, they will hate you. And it's not that we're intentionally trying to be hated by them. That's not it at all. What we're doing is we're living up to the standards that Jesus has given you and I in this kingdom of God operation, right? He goes on to say, for their allegiance is no longer to this world because I am no longer of this world. Continue on. I am not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from the evil one. For they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Say that with me. I do not belong to this world. I don't. We're in this world, but we are not of this world. I live in it, but I'm not of it, meaning I don't operate by the same standards or the systems that it operates by. Right? Next verse. Your word is truth. So he said, make them holy or separate them by the truth. Now, I think this is wonderful. God gave us his word. Why? So that you and I can be separated from the natural, from the limited system of this world. And now you and I, when we get separated by the word of God, understanding the truths, hearing what the word of God has to say, guess what? The limits come off of you in my life. Did you know that in the word of God, you know, the sky's not even the limit with God. You can't even say the sky's the limit. No, God's the limit. And God is unlimited. So when you start getting your mind renewed with this word, the limits come off of your life. Rather than, you know, coping with things and coping with sickness and disease, coping with, you know, constant failure in business or failure in marriage or failure in relationships, the word of God has the ability to pull you out of that mess so that you actually can enjoy heaven on earth. That's what this word does. So that's why, believers, we got to get back to some basic Bible reading. Because as long as we don't know what this word says, we're not able to get out of the natural limited world that's out there. Anybody tired of limited? Man, I am. I want out of this thing. Why? Because we've experienced limited to some degree, and it's lame. But this, we have a God who is unlimited, and he's called you and I to be partakers of that life. You can read that all throughout the Bible, especially 1 Peter chapter 1. You hear that God has given us everything in this life that pertains to his nature. He's given it to us. Now it's required you and I that we start to see how he, now we can enjoy that life. Now next verse he says, I have commissioned them to represent me. So our job here, this is what this church's call is. We're here, number one, to represent who? Jesus. My personal life, this church. So we're not here to represent Impact Life Church. We're representing Jesus. So again, we've said this before. If there's anything that you do like about this church, it's him. If there's anything that you don't like, guess what? It's us. I really know that. We're not a perfect church, but we do serve a perfect God. And everything that he does, he's here to reach people. He's here to reveal who he is. And this is why we're here. We're here to represent him. And Jesus says, just as you commissioned me to represent you. So if I want to be a good representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, if I want to be a good ambassador of who he is, I have got to take the time to understand his ways. Did you know that God has ways of doing things? He's got a thought for everything in this life, right? Now notice this, Romans chapter 12, and this is now where you and I, we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So this is our, our message to the world is, you need to be born again. Right, those are the people that don't know the Lord. Our message is what? You must be born again. To the Christian now, our message is, renew your mind. So to the world, what do we say? You must be born again. That's we talk about the grace, the goodness of God being stretched out towards you, dying on the cross, taking your sin so that he made you the righteousness of God. That's the good news of the gospel. But now to the Christian, we enter now into this lifelong journey of changing the way that we think. Because guess what? When you got born again, your spirit was completely renewed. Woo, thank God. So inside of me right now, inside of you right now is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Spirit. Your spirit looks identical to Jesus. If you were to peel this all back and you saw me spiritually, you go, wow, you look good. Oh man, you are, you are, you're, you're hot inside. You're just like, whoa, you are a 10 out of 10. Man, I've said that to Jamie. I was like, girl, spiritually speaking, you are dynamite, right? And that's absolutely true. That's what you have on the inside of you. So where does the problem lie? It lies with an unrenewed mind. And as long as our mind is not renewed to what happened on the inside of us, we are going to live frustrated in the natural realm. 
Okay, now notice these verses. Now, after hearing all the goodness of God, that he called you out of darkness, put you in the kingdom of God's dear son. Paul says, and he asks his questions, beloved friends, what should we, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? So after everything God's done for you, you heard about how he died for you. You heard how he's, you know, bled for you. He went to hell for you, rose again from the dead for you. After hearing all this, what is our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? And in case you didn't quite know the answer, he, sa- he goes on forward. He says, I encourage you to surrender yourself. Now, this is you and I intentionally surrendering ourselves. This is the proper response for everything that God's done something for you. How many of God's done something in your life? You, you born again. Heaven is your destiny. Man, so this is the proper response now to a life lived on this earth. He says, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifice. This is it. You're squirming on that altar. He wants it living, right? This living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Worship isn't just a song. Worship is in my entire life. And he goes on. He gives it a little bit more clearly. He says, stop imitating. Say it with me. Stop imitating. One more time. Stop imitating. Stop imitating what? The ideals and the opinions of the culture. Right? And if you see Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2 in the Message Bible, it actually says, you let the world that doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live. The world doesn't know how to live. It has no idea. Is sin fun? Be honest. Yes, sin is fun. But it doesn't tell you the bill that you get after it. Right? Nobody, no, the devil never tells you that part. All he tells you, like, oh, it's going to be so good. Flesh is going to like it. Right? Come on, fleshy, fleshy, fleshy. And flesh goes, yeah, I like that. But he doesn't tell you the after effects of it. Right? So this is what he's saying. Stop imitating. Or I'd like to say it this way. Anybody ever play Simon Says? Anybody yeah, you play Simon? You know, you ever play that with your kids or your grandkids or nieces, nephews, whatever? I play that with my kids. Simon Says, go clean your room. Guess what happens? The room gets clean. Simon Says, go take a bath. They get into the bath. Now, first of all, does anybody know who Simon is? Because whoever he is, he is a great parent. Because he is, <laughs> I don't know how that worked out. But what God is really saying, he's saying, stop letting the world go. The world says, now you do. We played Simon Says with the world, and we've just kind of jumped in. Well, that's what cultures do it. Okay, I'll, I'll go jump and be part of that as well. Now, notice what he doesn't say. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of culture. He doesn't say condemn culture. Because you cannot reach a culture that you condemn. So we are, are we in this culture? Yes, we are. I don't condemn the culture. I don't judge the culture. I'm here to love, but I'm not here to look like it. But in order to reach it, yeah, there's going to be, there's certain lingos that we can take on to help bring that culture in so they can see the goodness of God. That's what Paul said. That's what he, that's his whole life. He said, I became all things to everyone so that I could reach them for Christ. So he doesn't say here, judge culture. He says, stop imitating it. (laughs) You know what the greatest sin in the world is for the Christian? Is believers trying to be like God without God. This is the greatest, this is the stupidest thing you can imagine. Is Christians trying to be like God apart from Him. How many of you have ever heard people, oh, I know God. Man, this is what God told me. And it says, oh yeah, God told me to leave my spouse. God told me to do so and so. And you go in His Word. There's not even a Bible verse for that. Do you see how stupid people can get when you leave this? Excuse my English, that's just... How unsmart some people can be when you leave this <laughs> if that's a little nicer tone for you but that's just the reality he says stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the holy spirit through a total reformation of how you think so this is what he's after he's after your thought life he says this will empower you now to discern god's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. This is now, if you want to know what God's perfect plan is for your life, guess where it begins? It begins with you allowing and submitting yourself to Him and hearing His ways of how He does things. If, if you think about it, why, this is the biggest question that I get, is I'm just trying to figure out God's plan for my life. My question would be, how renewed is your mind to His ways? 
Because God, like, listen, he's got plans for you and he wants to get it across to you. But as long as we're ignorant of his ways, we will constantly be questioning his plan for our lives. Because guess what? His plans don't always line up with your plans. His thoughts are much higher than your thoughts. So he wants to give you his thoughts, but we got to yield ourselves to that way. Are we all, we're all okay with that? Okay, let's continue moving on here for a moment. So now, God doesn't want me to copy the world's ways, not because he's a mean God and doesn't want us to have any fun. Right? And as I said, well, the reason why God doesn't want us to copy the world's ways is because, again, it has the power to steal, kill, and to destroy you. This is what sin does. Sin comes to destroy mankind. That's why God hates sin. He hates it. Why? Because of what it does to you and I. What he does to the human race, it absolutely tears his heart apart. Disease, poverty, everything that you can imagine, depression, all of that is wrapped up in his ways, and God hates that. Right? Okay. And as we said last week, I'm going to just take a moment, but God's ways are light. So he does not dab around in darkness. God is, and we saw this 1 John 5, 5, or sorry, 1, 5, that God is pure light. Everybody say with me, pure light. His ways are what? Pure light. There's not even a trace of darkness in him. God doesn't send disaster. God doesn't slash your tires. God doesn't send a sickness on you to try to get your attention. That's not who God is. God doesn't need the devil to help him in anything. The only thing that we see from the word of God that the God uses the devil for is a footstool. That is it. Right? He doesn't say, oh, devil, hey, can you go and cause some havoc over here? And can you go mess up that relationship over there? Not at all. That's not who our God is. Would anybody want to serve that? No. God's kind of like working like a double agent. Sometimes he's a good guy. Sometimes he's a bad guy. Are you kidding me? So this is what this is the message that Jesus came to proclaim, that God is pure light. You will never find even a trace of darkness in him. There's not even a sniffle or a cold or a sneeze in God. Think about it. God's never went, Hutsu! There's nothing in him that way. He is pure light, pure health. And then we'll go to the next verse. If we claim that we share life with him but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So what we talked about last week, the importance of not only did God rescue you and save you from hell, save you from disaster, save you from death itself, but now he wants to do life with you. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him. And that word that we see here in 1 John is the word fellowship. And the Greek word is koinonia, right? And that gives three words. Number one, we said last week was partnership, to be a partaker of his life, and simply to do life with. Aren't you thankful that we have a God who wants to do life with you? The same way, I mean, Jamie and I, not only did we got married, it's not like, okay, I'll see you once in a while. We're partners together. And then what I love is that we do life together. I'm thankful that I got somebody around me that wants to do life. Go on vacation with me. There's not very many people that want to, but she does. <laughs> and I'll hear, well, this is what I love about God is, and I see a couple dads in the back holding their babies. Good for you guys, man. That's awesome. But what I love is that God will even do life with people as I'm changing a diaper for my baby. He wants to be involved in every area. There's been times God has told me how to just show the proper, you know, give, to, give a right answer or how to discipline my child in a moment where it's a little bit heated. He, he'll show me that. I'm so thankful that God will be right in the mud with me and he'll do life with me. He's not just waiting, oh, you got to get to the mountain first before, you know, when we start doing anything. No, even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. This is who he is. He wants to get involved. So we have got to move in our Christian minds that I'm just saved now, I'm good, I'll go to heaven. No, he wants a partner in Red Deer. He needs a partner in central Alberta to bring across his will in this earth. And that's what we have designated not only our lives for, but this church is here to partner with heaven, to do what heaven wants to do in this realm, in this earth, in Red Deer, in central Alberta, in Alberta, in Canada, whatever the Lord has for us, we say yes. Why? We're partners with him. Say with me, partnership. Anybody else stirred up about that a little bit? In partnership with him. The same way that you look at, you read Hebrews 11, you see all these heroes of faith. You hear about Abraham, Sarah, Noah, all these guys, David. What was it about them? What was different about them? They didn't just go, oh yeah, I believe in God. No, they believed in God and that caused them to go, he wants to know me? Oh Lord, I'm going all in. They became partners with him. Guess what killed Goliath? A partnership with God. 
a partnership. Everybody else in Israel was freaking out, going, oh, blah, 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 blah. David was that uncircumcised punk. I'm going to take his head off. What is that? David knew he was in partnership with God. Let's go get him. It's a whole different mindset here. And this is what we want to create in this church as well. It's not just this, oh, I'm a Christian. I do church. I do my church clapping. I do my church raising, my church singing, my church hopping, and I go home. No, we are here to be partners with God. What does God want to do in Red Deer? What does he want to do in your central Alberta? I'm in. Okay, God, you need a vessel in in this area, I'll do it. You need a vessel in my business, I'll do it. You need a vessel in this city somewhere, Lord, I'm in. Anybody else all in? So we're talking about, so in order to be all in and go in this, we have to learn his ways. What's he like? I'm, I'm hungry about this. Okay, I'm, we're all going this together. So again, spiritual darkness, as we just read here. Can a believer operate in spiritual darkness? Yes. And what does spiritual darkness mean? doesn't mean you're lost or you're not saved. It means you are ignorant of God and His ways. There's a lot of, lot of believers, sadly, that are, we see this, that are operating in spiritual darkness. And that just simply means they're not bad people. They're just ignorant. Everybody say that with me, ignorant. If you don't know God's ways, how can you operate in God's ways? So this is what, Paul, this is the, what John is trying to say. For your fellowship, for God to work with you, He wants to reveal His ways to you and I so that we can enjoy a partnership, a lifestyle with Him. All right? Can, can you all see that? Is that making sense? So now rather than I just get saved, yay, I'm born again, going to heaven, yip, 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 I got my fire insurance, I'm good. Right? Now I'm going, okay, God, I'm interested in how you think. I'm interested in what you say about this and what happens now. You start experiencing life like God does. That's what eternal life is. It doesn't mean length of life. It means quality of life. And I'm, I, anybody else have eternal life in them? That is the life of God. Now it's in you, but it can be dormant if we don't know His ways. So this is what we're pleading. God, we want to know Your ways. If I have to change my way over here and go Your way, I'm willing to adjust. Anybody willing to make some adjustments in their life? This is part of it because, again, to walk in the light as he's in the light, I have to be honest, I have to be vulnerable, I have to be open to him so that any times he shines light on an area in my life that has darkness in it, I'm saying, Lord, yes, I see that in my life. I'm willing to make an adjustment. Cool. I'm, I'm real glad we're all excited about that. Okay. <clears throat> now to think about it, uh, just going in Jesus' ways, we're going to talk about this for a sec. But even for myself, I'll give you just kind of a, a personal example. When I met Jamie, that this girl was it to me. I was, I was smitten. And I'll just before this, I'll just kind of give you a little background of who I am, where I'm coming from. So at this time, I, I was 17 years old. I, I just graduated high school. Um, at this time in my life, I was had the opportunity and the, the blessing of God to play with Western Canada in soccer. So I had a lot of traveling. I was doing a lot of things across Canada and the States a little bit. We were kind of moving around. And all of a sudden, I wasn't serving God at this time. I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. And all of a sudden, there was a, a mission trip that this church was partnering with another church from Manitoba. And uh, so I got a, got a lady from Manitoba up here. I got to say it right. Manitoba, eh? That's how you say it in, over there. For all those, if you're from Manitoba, Manitoba, welcome. Uh, but so we were hooking up. We were going to go down to, to this place in Jamaica. And I, I wasn't serving. I wasn't like fasting and praying. I wasn't reading the word, going crazy with God. And I had it in my heart. I need to go on this mission trip. I got to go. And I remember bringing it to my dad. Like, I got to go on this mission trip. He was the leader of it. And he, he actually, he did everything he could so that I don't go. I don't know about this, but as a parent, you want your teenage son who's not living totally right. You want his butt on a mission trip, right? Because if by me going, I would lose my spot on that Western Canadian team because there's other guys because I'd be missing a couple camps. He said, well, you don't want it. Fine, I got another guy in here. So I said, I need to go on this camp. And I, I just went. I'm not even thinking about the repercussions of that decision I was going to make. Soccer would be done in that, in that area. So I remember going on this mission trip. And that's where, man, the Lord absolutely just broke my heart for what broke his. I saw people through his eyes. It changed me. Number one. Secondly, I met my wife there. And man, I had my flirt on. I had did everything I could to get, girl, you like me. And... I did everything. We even played Dutch Blitz together. I teamed up with her. I remember one time I touched her knee. I like, I went out just to like place a card there. And man, she, at one point finally she went, oh, he's, he's interested. Oh yeah, girl, I'd be interested. And uh, 
nothing happened because she was dating somebody else at the time and I wasn't pleased with that. So I thought, I'm going to break them up. But yeah, just, Lord, I need wisdom on how to do that. But anyways, that didn't last long because, you know, I was an option now, right? But I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally missed. But anyways, when I, at this time, uh, you know, then I go out to, to go to this prayer conference with my dad. And, you know, after this whole thing, I, I turn my life around and that's a whole other story. But I finally go and I, I meet up with, with Jamie and, and there, I, I just knew on the inside, I'm like, this is, this is it. Like, this is the girl. And at that time, I remember just started to, you know, say certain things that weren't true. And what is that known as? Okay, lies. Let's call it as it is rather than I used to say some things that weren't 100% right. Uh, even 99% of truth is still a lie. So I would be saying certain things like, oh, man, like, girl, I've modeled for, like, you know, GQ. And, like, I'm basically this is it, man. Like, this is you're welcome. And I'm interested. Like, and I'd be, I'd be making all these things up about where I've gone in my soccer career or, the, you know, just different things like that. Because I was so, you know, my, my issue was people pleasing. I wanted her to like me. I was doing everything that I possibly could. And we got married. And I didn't know it was because of all the things she heard. Right? No, it's not. Okay, good. <laughs> i got to settle that now. Um, and then all of a sudden, I just, I got really, when we were first married, I remember the Lord just encouraged me or just kind of stretched me. I want you to take every morning, getting up early, and I would just spend about an hour, an hour and a half every morning just praying in the Spirit. And as I was doing this, because my motive and my heart was, Lord, I want to, your word says, come close to God. He will come close to you. Lord, I want to be close. How close can I get, God? That's what, I, that's what I'm making my life, life message as is I'm getting as close as I can. Well, in doing that, guess what happens? Something happens still on the inside of me, but God starts to reveal truth now. He starts to reveal light on the inside of me. He starts to reveal areas in my life that are hindering a relationship with Him. And guess what it was? Lying. And He actually told me, I want you to go back and tell Jamie the truth on all these different situations. I thought that's not, yeah, that's, almost, that's my grandmother, she's feeling my pain right now, that hurt, and I just, at first I thought like, I remember it took me about two or three days, and then these two or three days were absolute torture for me, I hate, I just thought like this, this is stupid, this isn't godly, devil, you get away from me, you're, you're hindering my walk, you're trying to get me to do something that the blood of Jesus has already forgotten about, it's been paid for, glory, glory. and I would do that, I'd get happy for about five minutes, and all of a sudden another thought would come, I need you to go do that, get behind me, Satan, and you just start slamming things back. And I remember finally, I think about a week or so later, I, it was eating me up on the inside. So I caught Jamie. She was in the shower at the time, and I thought, this is the best time to do it because she can't see me, I can't see her, and we'll just, I'll just say it, and then I've got to go. <laughs> so I told her, and I just started, you know, just sharing a couple of these things. Hey, remember what I said about, you know, me being all that and, you know, <laughs> you know all that stuff, and, you know, I'd gone there, and I, you know, basically I, I met the Pope and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, I didn't actually say that, but I, you know, you'd say different things. And I traveled here for my career and I did this. And, you know, I'm, I basically went to the moon and back and solved world hunger. I, I did it. I figured it out. I went to her and said, Jamie, I didn't actually do all that stuff. And the first two, she's like, okay. Okay, thanks for sharing me. And then come the third and the fourth, she's like, what? How many more are there? <laughs> and I thought, man, it was like, this was eating me up inside. And as it hurts so bad, it actually hurts so good. Because there's an area, when, when God reveals light to you, when He reveals His truth to you, you have an option to ignore it or to embrace it and say, Lord, by Your grace, I'll carry this out. And I'm so glad that I did. It didn't feel good in that moment, but boy, am I thankful that we did because now I'm not hiding anything from my wife. You know, I don't have this thing you're hiding in the background. Oh, yeah, she still thinks I'm a GQ model. And all, all that kind of stuff. I don't have any of that. It's just free, open communication. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is the ways of Jesus is humility. This is His ways. If I want to be a partner with God, humility is the way. Let me show you this, Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Bible. It says this, Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Now Jesus says, Come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Now I know sometimes you can read these verses and go, Oh man, this is what Jesus is doing to me. I want to show you from a different lens and kind of look... I want you to see who Jesus is. Simply, Jesus says this, simply join your life with mine. Can we read that part together? 
Simply join your life with mine. Can you guys go back to the next verse for a moment, please? Simply join your life with mine. What is that meaning? If you do a little bit more study in the Greek and actually what Jesus is saying in this, he's saying, bend your neck to my yoke. Now, everybody knows what a yoke is? Back in the, you know, the times when they had to plow ground, they would put like a, just a big ox, right? And what they would do is they'd pair another ox, maybe a younger or maybe less experienced ox, and the, eventually the goal is that these two ox become one powerhouse. Now, the focus is not toils. Focus is not work. The focus is my union. Jesus is willing to get into a yoke with you. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's, that's exciting right there. Jesus is willing to come down where I'm at. He'll meet you where you're at, not where you pretend to be. He will meet you exactly where you're at. And he will say, come alongside here. Bend your life or simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways. So as you're in this yoke with him, just picturing this big thing, Jesus came alongside. Now, again, I want to preface it with this again. God will meet you where you're at, not where you pretend to be. A lot of people think, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm way up here. I can do this. I can do that. I'm a, I'm a believer like this. When in reality, you're down here. There's nothing wrong with being down here. This is great. This is a great place. God will meet you at your place of where you're at, not where you think you are. Because we got a lot of people thinking, oh, I'm a believer. I can, I can do this. I can do that. And their life is in shambles. No, where are you at? That's where, that's where the grace is. Go where, where you're at. And that part of that is just living in humility. Stop lying to yourself. That's huge. So he comes right here. You'll just, and he says, learn my ways and you'll discover. Now notice this, that I'm gentle. The first thing we see about Jesus is he's gentle. In this yoke, he's not going to be kicking you. Stupid. Why can't you figure this out? How long have you been a Christian? Man, are you kidding? And your parents were Your parents were pastors? What's wrong with you? And he started beating me in that yoke. That's not who he is. He, in this yoke, he's gentle. God is not this domineering, what's wrong with you? Do better, be better. That's not him. In this yoke, you'll also see he's humble. If you read that, there's actually a translation or a paraphrase called uh, the Ben Campbell Johnson's paraphrase. And in this part of the, the paraphrase, it says, I'm willing to relate to you at your own pace. That's a humble God that we serve. He's humble and notice this, he's easy to please. God is not a tyrant. He's easy to please. When's the last time you thought about that on God, that he is easy to please? <laughs> they have been a little while, but God is easy to please. He's just simple trust. That's what pleases him is faith. Trust pleases him. The song that we just sang, "Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Meanwhile, we're I gotta pray longer. I gotta read. I gotta read faster. And I gotta read harder. And I gotta worship higher. And I gotta oh, and you just go to all these towns, but you forgot that he's easy to please. He loves when you wake up in the morning and say, "Lord, I give you my day. Show me. Is there anything in my day that I can grow walker close?" He loves that. So don't view him as a tyrant because that's how you'll start living. Continuing on, he says, "You will find refreshment and rest where, in me." Last verse, he says, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and it will be easy to bear. Now, the thing I want to bring out this morning is humility. Now, the world views humility. If you were to say, if you were to ask anybody part of the, the world system and say, what does humility mean to you? What would be the kind of the, the, just the natural definition of humility? Weak, soft, you wimp. Why on earth would you go down? Why would you bend so low to somebody else? Why would you even waste your time doing that? If, if you want to be something, man, you, you're a self-made man. You make it happen. You make this thing work. Anybody ever heard those types of statements before? Man, I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy watching sports. And some of those interviews that you hear after the sports that, or the game is done, these are some of the most arrogant individuals I've ever heard. What does it do when you hear that? Oh, man, I listened to this boxer one time. He talked to himself in a third person the entire interview. He'd be like, oh, yeah, Joel thought this. And you know, Joel threw a haymaker. Joel knocked him down. <laughs> no biggie for Joel. I think bring on the next guy that Joel can conquer. After a while, it's like you are pathetic. Like it's just, oh, yuck, man. And then on the contrary, I just I made this just last last week. Jamie and I, we watched this movie, Mr. Rogers. Uh it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. That one. But in that movie, and he also won an award a little while back, but he actually stopped the, when he won this award. He stopped the whole thing. He said, for the next 30 seconds, I want everybody in this room to just think back about all the people that helped you get here. 
You know what that did? You had people, I mean, they would scan across the crowd. You would see people with tears in their eyes, just all of a sudden stopping to remember their mom, their dad, their grandparent, their uncle, aunt, you know, maybe a cousin or a sibling that just helped them get to where they're at. I, re- and it, I just think when you hear that, what a difference that makes even in my tone. I love that movie. Mr. Rogers, it, like, it touched my heart. Just seeing this guy, just being so humble and saying, yeah, like, just remembering of all the people that helped me get to this point and just then go, man, I'm thankful for that. That even in itself is just humility. But again, what is this pride? Pride is really is focused on myself, taking the credit for any sort of achievement. You hear the words I and me all the time. You know, a really cool example of what pride would look like in you know, the natural world would be evolution. Evolution, the very motive behind it is pride. What is it? I. Man, I came through a lot to be where I am. I used to, me, I create fire. I came from a little speck. I popped out fingers. I grew eyebrows. I grew tongue. I grew a big chest. Hoorah, hoorah. And it's, what is it? It's all focused on you. It's like you, that whole evolution thing. Because what is the preface behind it? We don't need God. We don't need a God. We can do it ourselves. Look at what mankind has done to themselves. Did you know that technology, you know, if Adam and Eve had the capabilities, they would have invented the iPhone. We think, oh, look what, what mankind's at today. Mankind's only, you know, operating in what it's operating in because God revealed it to people. <laughs> That's all that we have. Oh, how, man, if God wanted, you know, how we can fly the airplane, we can fly across the world in 24 hours. Great. Guess what? God showed somebody how to do it. Like, nothing we have on this earth came by ourselves. It all came because somebody, God revealed a portion, a project, and an in, uh, whatever you call it, in. in Invention, that's the word. The invention to somebody, right? And so again, now let's just look at this for a sec. Here's the, the reality. Let me talk about this first. The pride is dangerous. I'm going to just show you a couple of these verses. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Pride now, again, focused on myself. Pride is what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. And now he is forever separated from God. His destination is the lake of fire. And what was he before? He was Lucifer. He was the worship leader. He was the one that praised God. He was in the presence of God. He would be there and he saw the power of God. He was involved seeing creation take place. He saw it all. But then something happened. It says that iniquity was found inside of him. And notice this. I'll just read these verses. Oh, how far you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, now notice, what are the first two words you see him say? I will. What is that focusing on? I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside, or preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. Next, he says, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high God. Can I just interject? What an idiot. Anybody that thinks they're smarter than God, that can be God, is stupid. That I'm not going to change the wording for. That's just where it lies. All right. And then he says, instead of all this pride, instead you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. You know, you see over and over in the book of Proverbs that God, he hates pride. Now, if God hates pride, guess what? I don't want it to be in me at all. In fact, I would encourage you to get that word out of your vocabulary at all costs. Oh, I'm proud of my kids. No, 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 no. I'm pleased with my kids. What did God say when Jesus came out of, the, out of being baptized? This is my beloved son in whom I'm proud of. No, he said in whom I'm well pleased. Because in some degree, I mean, of course we're, we're happy with what our kids do or whatever it may be. I'm proud of the work I've done. Yeah, there's, it's great to be excited about the things that you've done. But just that word pride in itself carries with it, look what I did. I'm proud of my kids. Well, to some degree, you're looking at, look how I raised them. Look what I did. Look how good I am at that. Oh, I'm proud of the way I sung. Careful with that. And so what's something that's just the Lord's been working in me is get that word completely out of your vocabulary and interject it with, I'm thankful for. I'm very well pleased with my children. Man, my children bless me. Just get that out. Get it out. Why? Because if God hates it, do I want it in my life? No. I'm going to give you a, I don't have these on the screen, but just you can mark these down. 
Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10, it said, pride leads to conflict. What leads to conflict? Pride. Any kind of argument you've ever had with another relationship, or husband, wife, with your children, whatever it is, gets what the root of it is. Pride. Somebody say it again with me. What's the root of conflict? Pride. What are we trying to get? I want it my way. What am I focusing on? Me. Right? And it goes out to finish the verse. It says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. So there's been times, guess what, men? My wife has advised me wisely. Just waiting for, I'm waiting for a grunt or something on that. Anyway, I guess that's, we'll stop there. Next, Proverbs 16, verse 18. Notice, just listen to these words. I know you've heard them before, but just take this into account for your life. First pride, then the crash. First pride, meaning, look what I can do. Look how good I am. Oh, man, I can do that. Did you see how I got that promotion? I got that promotion. I presented something really good. Oh, man, I, that boss, I just, you know, you say all these types of things. I did, I did, I did. It says first pride, then the crash. Right? This is not maybe. It's this is what happens. Right? Uh, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. That's Proverbs 16, 18. Proverbs 18, 12. Haughtiness goes before destruction, but humility precedes honor. If I want to be honored in my life, no matter what it is, guess what comes before honor? Humility. Submitting myself. Next, Proverbs 27, verse 2. Let someone else honor you for your accomplishments, for self-praise is never appropriate. <laughs> Are you all here? Are we all... You're just, you're just taking it all in. I don't need to toot my own horn. Toot, toot. Impact is awesome. You will never hear that come out of my mouth. I'm thankful for this church. Toot, toot. I'm the best preacher I've ever heard. Toot, toot. I don't need to be saying that. Because again, everything that I have came as a gift from Him. Without Him, I'd be up here. Nothing. So we always have to be remembering, and I'll, I'll get to that in a bit, but everything I have is a gift. I am replaceable. Say it with me. I am replaceable. All right, I'll soften it up. Next, Proverbs 29, 23. It says, lift yourself up with pride and you will soon be brought low. But a weak and humble spirit will add to you honor. Man, I love that. What are people looking for? Honor. People love to be honored, right? Celebrated, acknowledged for their accomplishments. That's what everybody's looking for. But how does it come? Humility precedes that, right? Okay, so now let me just bring this out here to you. The reality of humility. In walking with the Lord, I can't do anything, see anything, do anything in my life apart from the grace of God. Can we agree on that? Whether it's revelation knowledge from His Word, whether God has uh, um, anointed me or given me a gift to do something in this work, maybe I'm good with my hands, or maybe I'm a good businessman, maybe I'm real smart, and whatever it may be, maybe I'm a good plumber, maybe you know I'm, I'm here to lead a church, whatever it may be, all of it came as a grace gift from God, right? And all of a sudden it was revealed to me, and by faith, I go, I believe that's true. And so now it's in my life. Now, if you think about it for a sec, if everything hinges on me receiving the grace of God in my life, what hinges for me getting grace? Who gets grace? Because if I need grace in my life, no matter what it is, if you're like, man, Lord, I want to see more of your word. I want, I, I, I want insight. I want to walk closely with you in this word. Guess what the result of it is? The grace of God coming to you. So what is required for me to get more grace so I can see more? Vision for your life. Vision for your family. Vision for your finances. What do I need? I need grace. How do I get it? How can I see more? It's called humility. Because the humble get grace. Say it with me. Humble get grace. And I'll show you this a couple of verses. James 4 verse 6. Oh man. And it says, and he gives grace how generously... So God's not holding anything back. He wants to give more and more and more. He goes, God, that's too much. He'll say, shut up. You need more and more. That's who our God is. But he goes on to say, the scripture says, God opposes the proud. What does that mean, oppose? 
He sets himself against. He doesn't hate prideful people. He hates pride. He hates it. In fact, it's an abomination to him. <laughs> right? Chewing gum in church is not an abomination to the Lord, as I have heard in my childhood from other schools. <laughs> Going to a mass or something like that, you're chewing gum, that's an abomination to God. Really? I didn't know that. But this, pride is, right? And notice this, but he gives grace to who? The humble. Say it with me, the humble. Who's the humble? Me. I'm choosing to be humble. This is who I am. Look at the next verse, verse 7. So if this is what we hear, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So the very next verse, it actually says, so humble yourselves. Now here's the thing that we got to get, is that God doesn't humble you. God is not going to come around and just start making bad things come so that you get humbled. No, God wants you to humble yourself. What does that mean? I'm going to come to his word. Lord, I don't know everything. I'm going to come to my spouse. Lord, Jamie, I, I, don't, I don't know everything about this situation. Instead of trying to keep it cool, oh, no, I, I, I know what I'm going to do here, babe. I, I got this. Meanwhile, you are less, as clueless as can. That's like for you guys, when all of a sudden when the car lights go on in your car, I'm not a mechanic by any means. I lift the hood and I look for an on-off switch. <laughs> There's been times like, Jamie, hey, everything okay? Oh, yeah, babe, no problem. It's just the, uh, the blinker, you know, the blinker fluid ran out and, you know, <laughs> Tires are upside down over here and well, I'll get it fixed in a moment. You liar. And what is that a form of? Pride. Pride is so subtle. It is so subtle. It comes in so sneakily. But at the same time, all of a sudden, if I lift up a hood, I'm, is everything okay? Uh, no. You know, in fact, I think we need a new car. I, I actually don't know what this is anymore. Be honest. Why? Because who gets grace? In other words, for grace, the supernatural ability to do something. Who gets empowerment? The grace the humble people do. Everybody needs his grace. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it, what it sounds, I need grace. To lead this church, guess what? I need grace because in and of myself, I can't do it. Even to this, all these different properties that have come up my way, you can go, wow, that's so cool. And, and look at me and go, wow, that's so amazing that Joel thought of that. I didn't think of anything. In fact, to this moment, I'm not even quite sure what all these properties are for. I have an idea, but I haven't gotten a clear definition or a clear vision for what it is. So what am I doing rather than saying, oh, yeah, yeah you know, I got all those. Baby, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm saying, Lord, help me. And I even come to you. What are those things for? You know what? I'm, I'm seeking the Lord on that. I'm getting direction on that. Rather than just go, oh yeah, I got it. <laughs> a couple other ones are going to come on their way too. That's just pride, pride, pride. And God ain't having any of it. Okay, look at the next verse. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. It says this. <clears throat> In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you who dress yourselves in humility. Did you put on your humility skirt today? Or for your men, did you put on your pants, humility pants on today? This is, this is the problem, is the humility aspect of it. I was even talking to my boys this morning, reading Philippians chapter uh, 3, no, 2 verse 3 to them, just talking about one of the ways that we live our life is we view other people more importantly than I do myself. This is the ways of God. God would never ask us to do that if He never does it Himself. What does he ask? How does God view you and I? He looks at you as more important than his own self. So I'm supposed to imitate that. Okay. Put your clothes on in humility as you relate to one another. For God, again, opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Look at verse 6. So if he says that, then guess what? So humble yourselves. I think like the Peter and with James, they're writing this. You heard God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So please humble yourself. Do it. Why? So more grace can get to you. Because you need grace. I don't care how smart you think you are, you need grace. Right? Okay, let me go on here. Uh, last verse, go to Psalm 25, guys, real quick. It says, you keep showing the humble your path. What does God show the humble? Say it with me. The path. That and also, and you lead them into the best decision. Anybody want to be on the right path, making the right decisions? Who gets it? The humble. Not the brilliant, not the smartest, 
Not those who went to, you know, U of A or U of C or RDC. It's, or Olds College. Agriculture. And not only that, look what else he does. He brings revelation light that trains them in truth. Who gets all of that? The humble. That's who gets it. Why? Because it's his way. Oh man, I, I hope you see in this. This is the way of God. Next, let me just finish this off, continuing here. <clears throat> so what we are, what is a lifestyle of humility look like? It's that humble people, we live in truth. We live in reality. We are hungry for truth. We speak truth. We believe truth. If there's areas in our lives that need to be adjusted because it's not truth, we are willing to go after it. Any truth-hungry people we got in this house, this is huge. Don't make light of that thing. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. He came, once the Holy Spirit came, He said, I give you the spirit of truth. Any time that I dabble around, and I'm saying darkness meaning lying, what am I doing as I'm actually silencing the Holy Spirit on the inside of me? He will not ever, ever vouch for your lie. I think we need to get this. I don't care if you're even trying to save your mama's life. You do not lie. The moment we lie, we have stepped away from light, and now we're expecting, God, where are you? There is no falsehood in him. Whether that's you're lying to yourself, you're lying to somebody else, how come I'm not hearing God properly? It may be that you have to clear up some communication between you and another person. Oh, God, what, what, what's going on here? If there's no truth, it's hard to hear because he is the spirit of truth. It's not that he's mad at you and go, oh, liar, liar, pants on fire, son, that ain't going near you. No, you can't hear because you're in darkness. So God's way is truth. Remember, you see that 1 Corinthians 13 says that love, what does love do? It celebrates truth. And what does it do with falsehood? It takes no pleasure in anything false. So my life, I'm gearing my life to go down truth's way. I want everything about me to be truthful. Meaning live, I live in reality. Right? Are we okay? Everybody still okay? You're pondering it a little bit? Okay, so now not only is it vital that I continue to speak truth, but it's also important for me. Well, I mean, I want to live out truth, and I'll give you just a great example of this. Is how many times, you know, maybe you, you've seen somebody, and maybe they're walking in front of you in the mall or whatever, and all of a sudden they accidentally drop a $100 bill. You walk up, and you saw the person, you go, man, thank you, Lord, the blessings of God are coming to me from the north, from the south, from the east, from the, woo, glory, I just, thank you, Lord, and you just pocket that. That is falsehood to a certain degree. The proper thing would be to go up and say, ma'am, you actually dropped this $100 bill. I've had that happen to me before. And go looking at it and go, oh, sweet, I can get like 17 cinnamon buns. <laughs> or, let's be truthful, Lord, hey, you, you dropped this. And give that back. Oh, thank you, I was looking all over for that. That just as small even in itself, we live in truth. We do business in truth. That means we don't hide anything. Even here. What do you want to know about this place? We'll tell you because we ain't hiding anything. We are walking in truth to the best that we know how, to the way the Word of God tells us this is how He wants it, this is how we do it. Right? That's just a great place to be. Right? You're all in agreement with that. That's a good spot. Okay. Now next is just for your own personal self. Truthful in knowing about who you are, but it's also knowing who you're not. This is important for us. John 3, look at this, verse 27. This is John the Baptist speaking. And some of the disciples came up to him and they said to him, Hey, you the Messiah? Man, who are you? Where'd you come from? And all this kind of stuff. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it to him from heaven. Next, he says, You yourselves know how plainly I told you. Notice what he said. I am not the Messiah. Can we all say that together? I am not the Messiah. <laughs> oh, all right, so we're all, we're all good that way. But it's vital to know who you're not. As much as you know who you are, you know who you're not. For example, this is my gifting lane. This is my grace lane. I'm not going to jump ship and go into somebody else and try to be like somebody else. Why? Because I'm not that. I'm not going to try up here and teach like my wife because my wife has that teaching gift. It'd be stupid for me to try to go line upon line priest and try to teach like her and try to, you know, look all cute and stuff and, you know, <laughs> flazzle the hair and, you know, there's just a whole lot of everything wrong with that. And I, I just can't do that. 
Because to some degree, I'm actually operating in falsehood. So what do I need to do? I need to operate in who I am. This is who I am. This is who I'm not. Right? And it just saves a whole lot of heartache. Forget comparing yourself. You'll never be like somebody else. You're not called to be somebody else. You're called to be you. The God-given person that you are, the grace, the giftings, everything God put in you is you. And we need it here on this earth, in this, in this church specifically. He said, but I am here to prepare the way for him. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. This is Paul again. He says, For I know, or I say through the grace given unto me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly. So humility is not downplaying yourself. Humility is not saying, oh, I'm just a loser. I can't do anything. No, humility lives in truth. Right? Everybody say it with me, truth. This is where I live. I live in truth. Okay, real quickly, let me give you a couple examples here. Four in you realities. Number one, in yourself, you are nothing. Say it with me. In myself, I am nothing. Do you believe that? <laughs> we better. In myself. Let me show you this verse for it. Galatians 6, 3. And I want you to get depressed going, in myself, I'm just nothing. This is, a re this is a reality. This is where we live. He says, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. <laughs> okay. What did you learn in church today? In myself, I am nothing. Well, here's number two. In myself, I know nothing. We got to get this. This is huge. I've met people that are too smart even for their own selves. Anybody ever met a smart person? Dear Lord, what do you want to do to them? You can't share anything. You can't do anything. Why? Because they know. And guess what? God's the same way. God doesn't talk to smart people. You think that's funny. It's the absolute truth. God does not talk to smart people. They think they know it all. They think, oh, I got that figured out. And the moment you think you've heard it, it stops right there. Because look at this. The reality is, in myself, I know nothing. And here's the verse. 1 Corinthians 8.2. <laughs> Maybe I'll just let you read it out loud so I don't have to read it to you. Can we all read it together? All right. There it is. You don't know very much. Number three. In yourself, you have nothing. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Look at this. Passion Bible. For what makes a distinction between you and me? What do you have that grace has not given you? Answer that question. Nothing. You have a million dollars in the bank. Guess where it came from? You have ten dollars in the bank. Guess where it came from? Him. You came here in a car. Where did it come from? I worked hard for that money. I worked hard to get that car. Careful. Everything you have is a gift from God. And the moment you start taking credit for it is the moment that the descent starts to begin. And darkness starts to take over and you go, Oh, where, how come I can't see anything? It's because you left this point of, of understanding. In myself, I have nothing. It's the reality. He says, and what do you do? Or what do you have that grace has not given you? And if you received it as a gift, why do you boast as though there is something special about you? Look at me. Look at my cool minivan. Look what I got. I ain't doing that for two reasons. First of all, pride. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> just not cool. <laughs> all right. The next part, in yourself, you can do nothing. So say that with me, in myself, I can do nothing. John 15, 5. It says this, I am the sprouting vine, Jesus is talking. And he says, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stem from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are what? Powerless. And again, this is what we said. The biggest sin in the church is believers thinking they can be like God, do like God apart from God. We got even Christians that are claiming to do things in the name of God. They're not connected to Him. And apart from Him, guess what this church is? Powerless. It's nothing. There's no effect to it. But since we are in union with Him, thank God there is results happening. I'll just give you something really cool. This past week, the last three weeks, we have, or two weeks I guess, we have uh, taken time to pray in tongues together as a family. Ten people have gotten filled with the Holy Spirit in the last two weeks. That's awesome. Isn't that phenomenal? People actually now using their heavenly gift and spending time praying in the Spirit. Guess who does that? 
oh, it was just, you know, it was the worship that took place beforehand. And it was, it was just marvelous how everything just flowed. And oh, it was so good. And then the word of God was brought forth so powerfully and elegantly. And I just got it. And I'm just now, no, it's him. We always have to pass everything that you see. He did it. Who baptized you in the Holy Spirit? He did it. Who healed your body? He did. Who got that person saved? He did. Right? We all have a part to play, but the moment we go, I've heard that statement so many times. Oh, I got so-and-so saved. Oh, you, you died and went to hell? Wow. Oh, you're the Messiah. Oh, awesome. No, you had a part in it. What about all the people that were praying for him? What about the mom and dad who were on their knees praying for their child to come home? What about the person that walked on the street and just shared a word in kindness to him? What about that person? Or maybe what about the preacher that proclaimed a message in the gospel to hear the good news about Jesus? What about all the people that came around him to love and support him? What about the people? What about the Holy Spirit who came and convicted him on the inside? What about Jesus who died for him? So we always have to make sure we are passing it on properly. All right, pass it on. Say that with me. Pass it on. Man, you sounded really good today. Pass it on. Thank you. I give God all the glory. I'm anointed to do that. There's something I'm teaching my son, Jace, at this age because the boy's got a gift on him. This kid can play sports. Like, there's, he's anointed to do that. Whoa, I'm telling you, man, he makes me excited. Watching him and all of a sudden he's playing with these kids that are way older. And the thing that I have to look at, and we're talking to him about it, Jace, you are anointed to play soccer. Don't stop there for the glory of God. And that's what we say every morning. We get up. And he always says, Papa, I'm annoying. But he starts off, I'm annoying to play soccer. No, 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 you're anointed. Yes, I'm anointed to play soccer. Okay, and last verse I want to share with you, then I'm all done. But we are going to acknowledge now. So if these are the realities, in, in me I can do nothing. In myself I have nothing. In myself I can do nothing. But then, so now what the reality is, I want you to look at Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. It says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in me. Where? Come on, where am I? And so what am I acknowledging? I'm acknowledging every good thing in me which is in Christ Jesus. Because if I leave that last part out, if I just say acknowledging every good thing which is in me and I leave that in Christ Jesus part out, I'm on my own. You and I, we are actually in a physical location, spiritually speaking, and it's a place called in Christ. It's an actual location. There's an actual seat. Ephesians 2 talks about a seat. You are actually seated in this place called in Christ. Where are you from? In Christ. Where are you from? In Christ. What city were you born in? I got reborn into in Christ. This is my city. This is my residence. So now I need to acknowledge every good thing which is in me. Where? In Christ. So, for example, I am the righteousness of God. Finish it off in Christ. Just to say, I am. Joel Housing is the righteousness of God. No, he's not. In myself, I am not the righteousness of God. But in Christ, oh, I am. Come on, say it with me. I am. This is who I am. In Christ Jesus, I have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Where? In Christ. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, you just go through Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and read some of those, those, those books are powerful because Paul got this revelation about this place in Christ Jesus. And you can read it over. I can do all things. Come on. I can do all things where? Through Christ who strengthens me. Joel Housie, you can do all things? No, no, no. He didn't say that. He said, through Christ, I can do all things. My God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This is my location. I'm in Christ. So to say that I'm a sinner is actually false. Why? Well, if I'm in Christ, I'm just a low sinner. I'm just a worm. I, I'm a nobody. Liar. You lie a thousand lies. Because that's not the reality. What's the reality? In Christ, I have been forgiven. So when God looks at me in this place, listen, you look really good in Christ. Don't see yourself outside of him because outside of him, <laughs> you get the picture, right? <laughs> but when you're in him, oh, 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 you look good, man. You look real good. Why? It's because that's my place. So let me encourage you as you're spending time in the word this week and as you do every single day because this is the hungriest church for God. All right, there you are. There you are. 
I want you to go through these epistles. I want you to read Ephesians. Go through Ephesians this week and meditate. Take time to think, how does God view me in Christ Jesus? Because in Christ, he looks at me without a single fault. But a lot of times where believers miss it is we look at what I just did. Oh, I just did this and I just did that and I did this in my past. And it's, it's a big mess. And we're stuck here. God is trying to get you to see what he sees. You are in Christ and in here, he looks at you without a single fault. So now I can stand here and go, God, I, I praise you, I worship you, not because of what I've done or who, I'm, who I am or who I'm not, but because I'm in Christ Jesus and it's so good to be here. Thank you for this place. Hey, man. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, I'm gonna, we're going to finish off here, but I want to just read one more verse to you. And then I'd like, just, just this week, I want you to take some time just to continue to help us. As I said, just these past two weeks, uh, we've been together as a church family praying in the Spirit. And uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up again on that in a little bit. But uh, just for time's sake, I'm not going to jump into that. I really felt the Lord wanting to get this out. Uh, but there's a verse that I want to just read to you in regards to what we just read. And uh, what we've been doing as a church family, there, there is a, it's really not about the changes that are taking place here. You know what's actually happened? There's a move of God that is being birthed and is actually coming on the inside of us. I believe that with all my heart. There are people here that have been awakened and are awakening up to the call of God to be a vessel of light in this city.